Hello, my name is Shaden, and welcome to my podcast, which is more like a journal of things that have captivated my attention through curiosity and wonder of being a child of the Most High. This episode is about my recent struggle concerning debilitating anxiety, panic, insomnia, and how a shift of perspective led me from fear to freedom. So right off the back, I want to warn you guys, this might be a raw and disturbing episode for some, but I want to share my honest description of this raging battle that I've experienced in order to shed light and hope for anyone else who may be struggling. Because it is perfectly fine to struggle with mental health, anxiety, panic, insomnia, or depression. It is perfectly fine. There is no reason to be ashamed. We must talk about it. We must allow a space for healing rather than shaming. And I think a big part of that is being honest about our struggles. So this is my way of being honest with the hope that others too will be encouraged to seek healing and growth. So I'm going to talk about my struggle and a spiritual aspect to it, but I don't want anyone listening to think that mental health can only be treated by something spiritual because I did receive professional help from therapists and I'm continuing to speak to a therapist. And I spoke to a psychiatrist, which is basically a medical doctor that focuses on mental health, and he said that mental illness should be treated no differently than how you would treat diabetes, cancer, or the flu. Get professional help, treat the problem, and change your lifestyle, which is what I did and am continuing to do. But I won't talk about my process of psychotherapy. Instead, I want to focus on the spiritual aspect of it and of what I've learned through it. I've struggled with minor anxiety for several years, but I've always ignored it, suppressed it, or resisted it. I never really dealt with it or spoken to anyone about it because I always thought it was a sign of weakness. I feared the toxic stigma that many hold against mental health. But that anxiety over time was a ticking bomb and it finally exploded in my face and I was forced to finally deal with it. So it happened on May 16th, five days after my 29th birthday. While jogging, an overwhelming wave of fear hit me out of nowhere. My chest burned. It felt like there was a noose around my neck getting tighter and tighter. Heat flashed throughout my body. My mind raced in desperate attempt to survive because everything in me shouted, you're about to die. But after a minute, I realized I was having a panic attack because I've experienced a couple panic attacks before. My first panic attack was over 10 years ago when I was being rushed to the emergency room in an ambulance. And my second panic attack was in New York right before moving to Africa. But unlike those two first panic attacks that went away, this one was much more intense and just the start of a downward spiral of insanity. I was later asked what I imagine during a panic attack. And I honestly, I I just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain or answer that question. It's really hard to describe because it doesn't make any sense. The only thing that is real is fear. And it's a type of fear that is more intense than you could ever, ever describe. If you had a panic attack, you know exactly what I'm talking about and that constricting feeling of life slipping away from you, right? But it's, it's hard to describe it to people. And it's, it's especially hard to describe it when you're in a logic mind. But I would say it's a type of fear that would be somewhat equivalent to being held down by ISIS while watching a bloody knife getting closer and closer to slash your neck. Moments away from a brutal death. It's, it's that type of fear. It's fear at its highest level. And for the next week, I was having these panic attacks five to 10 times a day, which usually happen at night in silence all alone. And throughout the day, I was filled with anxiety leading up to the night. I had fear of of the panic attacks that were going to happen at night. I maybe got an average of two to three hours of sleep each night for two weeks straight. And every night I was throwing up multiple times. And when there was nothing left to throw up, I just dry heaved. Um, During that time, I lost 10 pounds because I could only eat 
smoothies and soup. I was extremely exhausted and constantly in a brain fog and loss of concentration throughout the day because of the exhaustion of being up all night with panic and adrenaline. Everything I did, as small as brushing my teeth, felt like running a marathon. Just walking up and down the stairs took an incredible amount of brain space and energy. My sister would try to have conversations with me. And for the most part, I would say, uh-huh, I think so. I, I think so. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I really couldn't think. It was as if my rational brain to make sense of things was turned off. And the only thing that was on my mind was fear or the fear of having a panic attack. There were moments though throughout the day where I felt 100% back to normal. In fact, a few times throughout the week, I told my sister and Matt that my anxiety was gone and I was finally healed and I would be so happy, like back to my normal self, right? Until the anxiety came rushing back like a chemical reaction, like baking soda and vinegar. It would spill through my body and my mind and sending me right back into that bedroom. I was like a little tiny shih tzu puppy on the 4th of July, hiding in a dark corner while the fireworks went off. When all this started, it was a little over a week before my flight back to Africa. And whenever I thought about that flight back to Africa, that would send me into a panic. Like that was one of my main triggers. I mean, could you imagine? I couldn't keep still for more than 20 minutes. How in the world would I last the first leg of my trip, which was 17 hours from LAX to Dubai? The thought of being locked in a metal tube thousands of feet in the sky was sheer panic. I imagine the CNN headlines. Crazy man loses his mind on the airplane and tries to open the door while in midair. Plane forced to land. Man in custody ordered to pay $500,000 fine. Like, I thought I was going to be that crazy man that would, would make its rounds on YouTube. My imagination was on crack. Now I can look back and, and conclude that anxiety and panic have absolutely zero logic. But somehow in that moment, the only thing that I believed was that fear held all the truth. I spoke to loved ones, friends, pastors, therapists, health professionals. I received prayer in the church, memorized scriptures, did acupunctures, went to urgent care, natural remedies, prescribed benzos, but nothing was working. I felt hopeless and out of control. I just wanted this madness to end. All I wanted was to be normal again. It felt like I was in the middle of a battlefield with nothing but toothpicks as my sword. The days were bad, but the nights were extremely worse. It was so dark. It was so dark that I couldn't even talk about it during the daytime because I knew it would send me straight into a panic attack. One night I was on my knees on the bedroom floor and it felt like I was having a heart attack. I cried out to God while trying to control my breathing. I clearly remember hearing a voice in my head that said, you know all those memories with your family and friends, all the good things in your life? And all of a sudden, all those wonderful memories flooded my mind, watching the sunset with my family, laughing with my friends, joy, love, peace, goodness, etc., etc. And then the voice came back and said, say goodbye to all of those things because you will never be the same again. But this is where things get a little fuzzy because I don't know if it was fear that would keep me from doing those things or if it was depression that nothing would ever make me happy again. It was as if the part of my brain that recognized happiness was cut out. I believe that nothing would ever bring me happiness again because everything was drowned out in fear. Everything seemed meaningless. It was really, really dark and confusing. 
and the more I tried to make sense of things, the more anxious I got. So a month prior to this debilitating anxiety, I was visiting my grandma at an elderly home, which was next to a psych ward. And I remember one day I was looking out the window of my grandma's facility towards the psych ward, and there was a fence in the outdoor area. It really looked like a cage. And inside this, this cage looking thing was a man dressed in a hospital gown with a medical bracelet around his wrist. Um, and so during those nights of panic that I had on my knees, I would imagine that psych ward. I would imagine that outdoor cage, but instead of that man, it was me who was locked up in that cage. I saw myself wearing the hospital gown with a medical bracelet. I believe I would never have my old life back because my new life would be spent in this psych ward while being drugged up. There were brief moments that my mind started to muddle in extremely evil places that it had never gone before. My heart would be racing and sometimes I would think, well, it wouldn't be so bad if I just had a heart attack and died because that would just end all this pain and suffering. I believed that this suffering and darkness was absolute. I believed a lie that I would never get better. So it seemed like death was a remedy. I was so fearful of dying, but at the same time, death seemed comforting. Death seemed like the only way out. All right, just to be clear, I'm not suicidal, nor do I believe there is any hope or relief in suicide. All right, like this is my thoughts during the darkest hours four months ago. Like, thankfully, I've never had these thoughts ever since. So that night, thankfully, I did not have a heart attack or did anything irrational. Instead, I continued to cry out to God on my knees. I would shout in a whisper, God, help me. Take this away. Heal my mind. Rescue me from this madness. I simply refused to believe that this was it for me. I refused to believe that death was the answer, even though everything in me was telling me so. So I kept pressing in and the fear was relentless. And so was I. I was in the battle for my life. And then finally, finally, after nights of severe and crippling anxiety, panic and insomnia, finally God spoke to me. And I wish I could say that Jesus spoke to me and took away all my anxiety and I lived happily ever after. But that's not what happened. Instead, I felt God say, no, I will not rescue you. This isn't about being rescued because I'm calling you to deeper levels of intimacy and higher levels of authority in the kingdom. And that was it. I was left alone once again in darkness and silence with nothing but the sound of my raging heartbeat exploding like grenades in my chest. But that night, something shifted for me. I started to see the darkness not as an evil thing that I must continue to cast out. Instead, I became curious. Could it be that God, the lover of my soul, is permitting this darkness and walking me through it? If so, why? When I shifted my perspective from fear to an attitude of curiosity, panic subsided and fear slowly lost its grip over time. It was the beginning of a slow journey of recovery that lasted about four months. And when I say recovery, I don't mean anxiety is gone and I'll never have it again. No, I still have anxiety, but I've learned how to control it rather than being controlled by it. For me personally, I've learned that it is a warning sign to pay attention to my soul. And I'll talk more about that in the next episode where I talk about the dark night of the soul, death and silence. So during those dark nights of panic, I would always read Psalms 23 
Like that was my go-to. And now I started to get transfixed on the part that I usually skip, right? Like the part that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for you are with me. Now that line in the Psalm started to come alive. I was trying to resist the darkness, right? Like I was trying to cast it out, to strengthen my faith so darkness would flee. But once I accepted that maybe, just maybe God was there walking me through it, my mind stopped going crazy and I started to walk through the darkness. Like, I don't think God caused the darkness or the suffering. I think that it came from another source, but I believe God allowed me to go through it. I'm going to say something that I've been thinking about lately, but this is my curious thought. So please message me if, if this strikes your fancy or if it's like total heresy. But I wonder, is it possible for the devil to work for God? Like, I think sometimes it's possible for Satan to be deceived by God in order for God's will to be done. Like, I don't, I don't believe it's possible for God to partner with Satan, but in certain occasions, I think God permits darkness to happen because God knows the potential outcome of good that awaits in the end. I think it's possible for Satan to be tricked by God in order to be used to further the kingdom of God. The devil is a deceiver, and I think it's comedy that God might be able to use that same method against the devil in order to do his own will. I mean, let's just look at the death of Jesus on the cross for a second. Like Satan believed he would be victorious in the death of Jesus. And it was Satan who influenced Judas to betray Jesus. God didn't step in to save Jesus. God basically allowed it to happen because he knew full well what the outcome would be. But Satan had no idea. He was blindsided. Satan was deceived. And dare I say, it was through the help of Satan and Judas that Jesus was nailed on the cross, of which, of course, he resurrected three days later. God beat Satan at his own game. The deceiver was deceived. And, and during that week of the crucifixion, Jesus did not resist the darkness. In fact, he walked straight into it. He carried the cross up to Skull Hill to be crucified before descending into hell. And of course, according to who you speak to, that term descended into hell can mean many different things. But the point I'm trying to make is Jesus did not resist the darkness. He walked into it and through it because he knew the outcome of good that awaited in the end. Of course, I'm talking about Jesus, the son of God, the perfect one. But part of the reason God became man was to show us that we are able to overcome through Jesus's example. Jesus gave us an example of what it looks like to walk through the darkness with our head held high towards the heaven with divine expectations. Let's look at another example, the story of Joseph, sold by his brother, falsely accused and imprisoned for maybe 10 years, but ends up saving the extinction of nations. Through the darkness, Joseph remains faithful. And in the end, he said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Joseph was in charge of Egypt. He was the second in command. And, and I have this burning question in my mind. Do you think he would have gotten there if it wasn't by being sold by his brothers to a group of Ishmaelite traders on the way to Egypt? Do you think he would have ended up being in charge of Egypt if he did not go through that darkness? I don't know. But in this story, it's as if darkness was necessary for the outcome of good. God used darkness. It, it seems like Joseph had to go through that darkness in order to come out in the end with greatness. 
And I think sometimes God allows this darkness to happen in order to draw ones into deeper intimacy and trust. There are so many accounts in the Bible of darkness, and I love how honest these people really are. Today, I think we like to hide and pretend that everything is perfectly fine. Like God forbid that we ever talk about worry, anxiety, panic, or depression, right? Yet the scriptures are filled with honest descriptions of many who have struggled. I mean, Jeremiah, the one who was known as a weeping prophet, he said, curse be the day I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow to end my days in shame? The book of Jonah. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. The book of Job. He cursed the day that he was born. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it and let the darkness terrify it, he said. He then goes on to say, God has blocked the way and I can't get through. He has hidden my path in darkness. In the book of Psalms, I cry out to you, Lord, for help. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away? I cry out, but you do not answer. When can I meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. And of course, we have Jesus who said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Isn't it funny, though, that when people go through worry, anxiety, stress, or depression even, people say things like, oh, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. You shouldn't be anxious. You you, you just need more faith. Anxiety is like a sign of of weakness. Um, But the scriptures say that Jesus was in so much anguish that his blood turned to sweat. You know, that condition is actually called hemidrosis, and that's where tiny blood vessels rupture under intense stress. Like, I think Jesus the Son of God, was in moments of stress, anxiety, and anguish. Meaning, I think it's okay to go through those things. But isn't it interesting that so often we see suffering as something that must be eliminated at all costs? We rarely see it as a necessity for growth. We set up precautions against suffering and darkness. And God forbid if we ever suffer with mental health, because somehow there's a toxic stigma that any type of mental illness is seen as weakness or lack of faith especially in many church circles. But look at those who seem to have struggled with a severe anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. Some I've already mentioned. David, Jonah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Job, and countless others throughout the Bible. I don't think I would ever define any of them as weak. I mean, maybe they seemed weak in the moment, but they walked through the darkness and came out strong. Many of us today won't walk through the darkness because instead we continue to ignore resist or suppress it, when in fact, it might be the very thing that might lead us to greatness. So maybe experiencing darkness is perfectly fine and part of the journey. Maybe darkness isn't always the enemy, but a valley we are able to walk through to experience more. I love how the last line in Psalms 88 says, darkness is my closest friend. I mean, there's a few Psalms that are are pretty depressing, yeah, and they end up with like some hope or some relief at the very end. But this is one of two that is very different. There isn't a glimpse of hope at the end. This is one of the Psalms that gets worse and worse and worse until finally the last line concludes with, my only friend is darkness. The writer mentions that he was all alone. No one was able to help him. Everything and everyone was stripped away until darkness was the only thing left. And the other psalm 
that ends with darkness instead of hope is Psalm 39, which says, Look away from me, God, that I may smile again just before I die. There's a really good sermon about this by Tim Keller, who explains that darkness can actually be the greatest place for growth and strength and discovering the grace of God. And Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner describes this darkness as, quote, the very presence of such prayers in scripture is a witness to his understanding. He knows how men speak when they are desperate, end quote. Which Tim Keller goes on to explain that God sees your darkness, your struggle, your complaints, your doubts, your fears, your worries, and is saying, I am still your God and I will not abandon you. I am with you not only when you are full of faith, but also when you are in the pit. I'm the God of grace, so I'll be here with you in the darkness, in the madness, in the insanity. I will walk you through it if you allow me to. This is so important. Even though darkness may surround us, God will honor our perseverance and lead us towards liberation and goodness if we allow him to. By the way, whatever happened to that psalmist that wrote that, right? Like what happened to him? His name was Heman, and he was described in 1 Chronicles as one of King David's ministers of music, which meant he wrote many of the Psalms. And of course, the book of Psalms is one of the most popular books of the Bible. So this man, Heman, he thought his darkness was absolute, but through it, he learned how to worship God. And in the process, he wrote many Psalms of which millions and millions of people draw strength from. For some reason, the raw and dark line of Psalm 88 made its way into the Bible. This darkness that is described as a friend, it's real pain, and God remains silent through it all. But maybe, just maybe, there is strength that can be found in the most desperate situations that seem dark as hell. Maybe this darkness shouldn't be seen as something we need to eliminate from our lives or set precautions to avoid because darkness is inevitable. I mean, let's be honest. Darkness will come for you one day, if not already. One day you may be faced with extreme darkness. And then what? What will you do? Will you ignore suppress or resist it? Or will you be curious and open for growth in the relationship with the divine? And if you're going through darkness right now, it is okay to go through it. It is okay to experience crippling anxiety or depression. It's okay. For some, it might be a chemical imbalance or a call for professional help, but it might also be God's call and doing for something great. It could be a path towards deeper levels of intimacy with the divine and higher levels of authority in the kingdom. So the next episode, I will be talking about the dark night of the soul by John of the Cross. I'll be talking about death, silence, and peace. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to message me if you have anything concerning this podcast or anxiety or therapy, or if I said something that was pure heresy, message me. Again, this isn't a platform where I teach. This is simply a journal of things that I'm learning, which means I'm open for correction and growth. Thank you. See you next time.